Welcome back to part two of our conversation with designated drinker, founder and CEO of Experience 3, Liz Einhorn. So if you've missed part one, you need to go back, belly up back up to that bar and give it a listen first. We promise to save a seat right here for you, don't we, Gina? Yep, and you can check out our tip on Instagram at designated drinker and uh, then you can get ready to make the cocktail with us. Yep, which you're gonna do later in this episode, right? Uh, yeah. All right, okay. so in part one, Liz, you shared your journey, uh, your career journey into airport F&B world, all the secrets behind chain restaurants, <laughs> and exposed Gina's addiction to twisted tea. The best. <laughs> do, you feel, do you feel exposed, Gina? A I little mean, naked? Listen. There's nothing better than crushing a whole bunch of, my, of Twisted Teas at a baseball game. So I don't care what anybody <laughs> says. So you know what? I probably got about, I don't know, a, a portfolio of those photos. So. <laughs> I, I've been drinking Twisted Tea a long time. So you're time. Ready, to, ready to get your mug on that can, it's are you? It's the ice pick. I'm telling you. They okay. were genius. They put the greatest cocktail in a can, and now you can get it everywhere. There you go. That's it. Okay. So now let's go back to Liz, shall we? Obviously. <laughs> Tell me about, and tell us about Experience 3 and why the hell do you have an extra E? Totally. <laughs> so, twofold. First reason is I'm Elizabeth. My mom is Ellen. My sister's Emily. Ah. So I always have been one of three E's that I'm stuck in my brain. There you go. And my family has nothing to do with the business, although I joke that my sister's my IT department. But I love them very much. And making the transition from you know, the various roles that I held in national sales at Boston to going out on my own, I thought about the principle of, you know, we talked a lot about growth strategy. And one of the ways that people really grow is making sure everyone talks to each other and that you have all the right stakeholders in the room and that folks aren't working in silos. Yep. So that wasn't something that I necessarily saw at one chain or even at the company I was at. It was, I saw it everywhere, that there were opportunities for that everywhere. So the 3E model that we came up with, and it's our signature approach for how we do everything, is explore, educate, engage. So overall, it's you know a holistic approach to make sure from soup to nuts. Yep. Like I said, you have everyone set up, you know, who's on first, what's on second. You said baseball, so I'm here for you. And <laughs> then going from that, like from a function, again, growth looks different for everyone. And that that's what makes this fun. I don't want to do the same thing every day. Yeah. Yep. You know, that's the joy. I think hospitality is the intersection of insanity and fun. Yes. Um, for sure. And like, creativity. I think you need a lot of creativity, you need a lot of insanity, and you need a lot of patience. And yes. stamina. Yes. Which some days is that easier to in, have than others. That comes with insanity. <laughs> like, you don't even, like, there's some days I'll, I'll be standing for 14 hours. I don't even know how, like, those days, like, happen. Like, it'll be on, like, on my um, watch. And I'm like, you stood 15 and a half hours today. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. Meanwhile, I people are like, I didn't make desk calls. I'm like, I'm like, how do you even do that? Now I just can't. Like I get, I get it. Some people have to sit at the desk, yeah. and like that's what they do. But like we literally stand that long, and like it's crazy. So that takes some time. Such a yeah, foreign absolutely. concept to me. Like even when I had sales jobs, I mean, I should know. I had a brief interlude to before I got into pharmaceuticals, which we touched upon in the last episode. My first job out of college was Pitney Bowes. I sold mail machines. Yes. I mail essentially, machines. I essentially, yeah. Well, I'm old, and it was, <laughs> you're not old. It was. No. I essentially worked I for Dunder Mifflin. It was amazing, but every type of business, you know, did that. But keeping that in mind and going back to the three E's, 
you know, explore is really the business development. That's the discovery, like what's happening. Because that's the thing too. I'll have clients that come and meet with us and they're like, we think we need scope X. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, do you? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you need Y, Z, A, B, and Z. Yeah. And this is why. <laughs> I mean, and that's the joy of consulting, right? Yep. You get paid for telling people what they're doing wrong. It's excellent. Um, but explore is that discovery phase. Educate is, I am a huge proponent of training. I think it's really important. Um, to make sure that everyone knows what's going on. But also it's not just the training aspect, it's process management. Yeah. Because there's, I've worked with a lot of consultants historically and my biggest frustration was that strategy could be there but not implementation. And we pride ourselves in doing both. We wanna make things turnkey. We wanna make sure that everyone understands what's happening. That's what we're all about. And then that goes to the engage, which is the execution. Yep. Which is, you know, a hidden fourthy. But that's really just like whatever we're doing, like that's like, all right, we've thought about what we need to do. We've created a way to do it. Now let's do it. Yeah. And then the cycle continues. So those are my three E's. And yes, it is six years tomorrow. And I still have people are like, do you know you spelled your name wrong? And I'm like, yes. (laughs) And at first I was super annoyed by that. But then I was like, okay, well, this is going to happen. Right. So what are my choices? And you're in branding. This was like maybe year three. I was like, do I change the name? I was like, no, this is this is who I am. This is yeah. what we're about. And I've actually spun it that I love when people ask me about the name now. Yeah. Because it's I can talk about who we are and what we do. Yep. Yep. And I think it's a great opportunity to do that where you can you're gently correcting somebody, but then they're giving you a platform to tell them more. It's not like you, you're not trying to sell yourself. You're trying to explain where they're wrong. Absolutely. <laughs> where they're wrong. <laughs> it's like oh inception, my God. right? No. All right. I have a question. I'm going to, I'm going to throw it out there. So ready? I own a business, my own businesses, right? My goal has always been to be in like that kind of airport space, you know, like kind of like on the move, on the move, like my brand, right? So like, I'm, and people listen to this show definitely have other restaurants, brands, you know, cookies. I don't know. They want to get into an airport. They want to get into a space like this, right? How how do you even start to begin to curate these people? Like, I mean, it's like there's, there's hundreds of thousands, millions of restaurants in in uh, the United States. How do you just say this is the one? Like, how do you go to a giant city like New York City and you're like, that's the one? Like, okay. that's crazy, right? I mean, it is until it isn't. So it's, it, it is absolutely bananas. But I think, so there's two, to take a step back, one, what that answer is today is very different than what it would have been 15, 20 years ago. Because I think what is really exciting about airports is that airports are really genuinely actively trying to make the concessions at the airport just as much a destination as where folks are going, which I think is very important because they've upped the ante on food and I want us to continue to up the ante on beverage. So a big trend that we see in a lot of airports is sense of place or localization. So that does a couple of things. One, I think it's great for the consumer because it, consumers want choice. Like travelers want a variety of things that they can choose from, especially now where travel is coming back. But the way, what's really interesting is like travel's back in the sense of like numbers, but the way people are traveling and how they're purchasing is really different. So I think it's bringing together, okay, you said New York, so... Are you a New York-based brand? Do you have a connection to New York? Do you have? I want folks to think about how they can position themselves and not be afraid of the airport. I think a lot of people have interest in the airport, but don't know how to go about it. So the first thing is 
figuring out start with one airport. Um, this is not airport cycles in terms of distribution. Are you talking about, you know, you brought up cookies. They have a cookie concept or they're trying to get their cookies in distribution. Like what are you, there's a lot of different ways that you can approach it. What were you thinking? Yeah, I'm just saying like you want to like have your, um, you have a cookie store. It's like I have a cookie store, right? Like whatever, I have a bagel store. I want to go into an airport, right? Like whatever, you're going to come to you and you're going to say, well, I have this bagel store and I want to go to your airport. Like what's, what, how does a person go down the path? Like, just give us like, how do you get down the path? So every airport is different, like I said, but the airports will have what's called an RFP, which is a request for proposal process. So either the airport authority themselves or some airports have developers. And to make it more complicated, and this is why I have a job, <laughs> sometimes there's airports where the terminals will have, will vary. So you'll have one terminal that's developer one, you have another terminal that's developer two but they'll do outreach meetings. So when there's opportunities at the airport, they really encourage particularly local brands to come. I mean, you can reach out to, well, first of all, feel free to give Experience 3 a call, shameless plug. <laughs> but second of all, um, you can reach out to the airports themselves and say, I'm a concession, I like, I have this cookie concept that wants to get in, you know, and is curious to get in. And when is, do you have any RFPs that are coming out? You know, things like that. There's also, there's a lot of different concessionaires. If you look up airport concessionaires, um, like Paradis Lagardere is a concessionaire that we work really closely with. They have a section on their website that if you're a vendor who wants to learn about airports, you can reach out to them. Um, I do recommend, you know, I think that's a great way to try to get in touch with people, whether it's experienced there or not. It is a very crowded space. So I do think it's helpful to work with someone who understands uh, the landscape. I was trying to come up with an yeah. airport pun. <laughs> well, I was going to, oh, you took it away from Good me. I've been waiting all conversation to be like, there's so much runway for you. Oh, come on. I'm sorry. That's okay. I can just all right. <laughs> I'll find somewhere else to take off. Um, here we go. But you really landed that one. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I mean, I just want to make sure I'm answering your question. It's hard because there's not just one answer. And it's so individual to the brand or the concept that's trying to get into the space. So it's also, before you even think about the airport, I would just make sure it's high volume potential. So do you have production? Like you have to, again, we talked about checking in with yourself and checking in with your business. Like it's nice to want to be in the airport, but do you have the production capability to supply enough cookies? Yeah. Like if you got in, what would that look like? Is it feasible for your business? Would it, because I've seen that especially you know, going back to Sam Adams days, there was the trend of more local concepts coming in, but there were local breweries or distilleries that would come into the airport and then not be able to fulfill yeah. the requirements and they would close. And that would be, I would imagine- Which is devastating for devast these brands. I would imagine it'd be devastating for the brand, a huge loss of money, and could actually hurt the brand outside of the airport, I would assume. Absolutely. I think that's a growth, that's a growth question in general for business, right? As you begin to grow, it's like, how do you um, handle like more success more, yeah. more, 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 right? Yeah. More people, more, more success, more um, volume. It's just, it's a lot. It's a big game, and then the growth, right? And then how do you make sure that the money is coming in, in order for the growth to continue, so you can pay the people yep. that you just hired, right? So sometimes things like growth doesn't work, right? Like sometimes you are successful at one, or maybe even two, and you should stop there, because really a third and a fourth will just deplete your funds. It wouldn't be to like you had 15 opportunities where the money would kind of equal out of what you were 
making in a one, two level chain store. There's a lot of um, work that always has to be done, especially when you're trying to scale up. And there's a um, great book called Scaling Up. So if anybody, yeah. you know, ever like thinks that they want to grow, it's definitely something you should do your homework and due diligence on. This episode unofficially brought to you by TurboScan and Scaling Up. <laughs> yeah, um, that's a other, great book, though. I think I it do is. want to read that, and it's but great. It is, and the other thing too is like when everything comes together, it's magic. Because if you think about it, for these brands, for these concepts, it's an interactive billboard. Yeah, you know, you have a captive audience that's there whether they like it or not. You know, there's only so many options for them to choose from, and there's an opportunity for them to not only you know, enjoy and try your brand, but create a memory with it. Yep. You know, bachelorette party that's doing, you know, a round of mimosas at Vinovolo, they have that photo forever, you know? You know what I'd like right now? Speaking of mimosas. A cocktail? Let's do it. Okay, let's go. So, I had to make something that I love for one of the people that I love, right? I had to like make sure this was delicious. So, one of my favorite drinks is obviously an ice pick. I've been drinking them forever. And why I love this drink is because there's no place you can go in the world that doesn't have iced tea and doesn't have a spirit. And all you're doing is putting these two things together anywhere that you go. I order ice picks pretty much everywhere. And I just got back from Italy um, this last um, spring and I had ice picks in the airport there. They had iced tea. It's just an easy way to guarantee that you're gonna get the cocktail you want. This one, however, is a little bit more complicated. So. Um, if you go to our tips in episode one, you will learn how to make um, an iced tea concentrate. This is a sweet tea iced tea concentrate. So um, sweet tea, not meaning sugared. It is sweet orange, really beautiful aromatic. These are car car oranges, which I love. It's a type of navel orange. They just, they just hit differently. They smell good, they're delicious, they're my favorite, right? So what we're gonna do is we're going to start off with our alcohol. We're gonna use gin. now. Ice pick traditionally is made with vodka. You can make it with whatever you want, okay? I just, maybe like 99 bananas might not be good, but you know, I don't know. If you find the right tea, who knows? Yeah, it's like that a- That shit's bananas. <laughs> so we're gonna drop in here two ounces of um, Catoctin Creek uh, Watershed Gin. This is one of my favorite gins, local here in, um, from Virginia. Now we're gonna do our concentrate, right? We're gonna do four ounces of our tea per cocktail. And then we're gonna use um, a simple syrup, which is um, a tea simple syrup, but I made it with turmeric. And depending on how you like it, I'm only gonna put um, an ounce in each one. So this is a turmeric and um, a little bit of passion fruit. It's really quite lovely. Pour that in. Okay, so that's it, right? Crazy. Now you're gonna take your glass for a roll. So you'll take your um, your 16 ounce glass and you're basically gonna go back and forth, right? And if you wanna get really fancy and longer, you can get longer with it. So all your flavor is already there. Now you can add at this point more, um, some people wanna use more sugar, sure, if that's what you're feeling. Sorry, this ice is not as pretty as, um, it doesn't matter. They have like little thimbles, so they're, they're like getting the water in there. Anyway, so you're gonna put that in. We're gonna finish our drink with something a little bit different. A lot of times you'll use um, different fruit. Now you see these oranges, how beautiful is this? Right, so you have these gorgeous oranges and car cars are really quite amazing because they have this beautiful, like it's almost like really, really sweet smell to it. 
and they're not like they don't hit like other oranges they just like have this like lovely um aromatic they use them like a lot of times in perfumes and we're kind of just gonna do that it's such a pretty little drink so pretty it's beautiful yeah we're just gonna just you know put a little translucent very easy to make i'm gonna get rid of some of these hi-hats here and i love the use car car because there's a co-op in philly that i've done some work with for drinks and we've done like mixology that could be non-alp or you know, as a mocktail, people could make it a cocktail, like focusing on their produce. And I did a whole thing on Cara Cara. Oh, nice. Really? I, yeah. Well, just reason number 5,010 that we're the same person. I'm telling you, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I had to make my drink for you. I'm realizing now maybe we should have had like a little struggle. I'll say that drink back for a second. May I? Yes. I'm going to add one more to it. I wasn't okay. going to, but you know, I like to always over garnish, so I will over garnish. Isn't that when you call it putting a salad in your glass or something like no, that? No, it's when you don't double strain when you shake mint in your drink. Oh, it yeah. makes me insane. Why don't you do that? If you're going to shake it in your drink and it's not a mojito, then I do not want your salad. There you go. I do not need your salad. And I do want you to go down, though. I'm very into this double garnish effect. There we go. Like this orange wrap. It's beautiful. Okay. Oh, hey. Okay. All right. Boom. Cheers. 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 Welcome. Gina. You're welcome. Thank you guys for having me. Love it. Oh, that's good. That's oh, delightful. I love the gin. I love the it's gin. It's great with gin. Mm -hmm. What's not great with gin? A hangover. Chocolate. A hangover? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay, everybody. Thank you very much. Well, that's refreshing. Uh, yeah, you can make them with pitchers and everything like that. You know, like a, like a good pitcher cocktail. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I, and then you're gonna roll them with your friends. Uh, I don't know. You know, like again, like when, when using tea, you always have to remember if you are using a stronger spirit, like um, gin or tequila or whiskey, you're gonna have to adjust your tea level. That's why like the black tea seems to work like with everything because it's just so strong and overpowering. Yeah. We use this wild um, sweet orange tea. So it's really delicate, so it might need like a little bit more of the concentrate. So, so yeah, we'll where are they going to go to get this uh, cocktail recipe? You're going to go to designateddrinker.show, and then you get your uh, tips, tricks, how tos, and I will make sure that I adjust that uh, concentrate. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. important to know. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, those are. This is why we come to you, Gina. You're yes. the expert, yes. helping us understand yes. how to make the best damn. Rolled tea cocktail I, ever. Ice pick. Ice pick. <laughs> I would drink this in a terminal time and time again. <laughs> Love it. Are you gonna drink it? Yeah, we have two night out last night, so too bad. Well, well, you, well, you think about it. You get a little. You're you're getting some some kick from the caffeine if you use the right tea, right? And then well, if you want a caffeinated one, this one is not caffeinated. Ah. Only because I've noticed that, like, if I drink like about you know four or five drinks, <laughs> I'll be shaking because iced tea is like, it's like surprisingly caffeinated, right? It's more yep. than coffee, and you'll be like, oh, I don't know why I'm so jittery. Because oh, you have like would, five iced teas. Would you do something like that? The tea you picked for this, would you maybe do some black tea with the orange? Could you do something like that? They would you um, mix like, it? Yeah, you can use like an orange, like pico, whatever it's called. But yeah. like, I wouldn't, I don't know. The wild orange like in itself is just a beautiful tea, and the car car oranges yeah. are in season. So I'm kind of like trying to like just like, like elevate that. The orange flavor, maybe like a maybe more neutral spirit, maybe going just like straight vodka with this one would be really great. I don't know. That's what I would do. 
I think another way that airports can continue and concessionaires can elevate their programs is not just using local products, but using seasonal products. Yeah. So to me, this is a win because there's a way that they could do that. There's actually, O'Hare has a greenhouse in its roof. Oh, that's that cool. That one of the concessionaires is actually will use the fruits and vegetables that are grown up there at their restaurants and they have a little farm stand at the airport. Like that's the direction. And I think there's more of a focus on sustainability too, uh, that this could go. And also like this was something that it didn't take you a long time to make. Like airports want to have more than a, you know, nothing that, not that there's anything wrong with a gin and tonic or a vodka soda. This is a way to have like an elevated cocktail that it's batched in advance and it's not when you have four people deep at the bar. Yeah. Who are all, you know, time. imperative, like need to get to their gate. But yeah. of course, obviously want a cocktail beforehand. Like this just wins time and time again. That makes sense. Nice job. Yeah. <laughs> Plus who doesn't want vitamin C before you fly? There yeah. you go. There you go. It's that's healthy. It, that's it. It's a healthy flight drink. There you go. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. We'll call it that. In flight. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me remind the listeners, um, you're going to go to get this recipe at designateddrinker.show. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can also just scroll down in our episode notes. Um, we'll have hot links um, to get you to our Insta, to get you to the website, so you can get to our library of libations, all of Gina's bazillion amazing cocktails. And we'll also make sure we have a link um, to Experience 3. So that our listeners, if they're interested, if they have that next best thing that's going to like wow us while we wait, um, we'll make sure that we have it there. They'll be able to get to you quick as lightning, depending that. on their Wi-Fi, of course. <laughs> I can't promise that. <laughs> well, I would love to chat with them. Great. Okay, I'm going to ask you this, and I know it might be a tough one, because it's hard to pick, I'm sure, for you. Mm-hmm. But if somebody wanted to ask you, what airport should you fly through if you have to? And where would you go in that airport? Oh, we're going to the Pacific Northwest. Okay. We're going to the Central Terminal, and we're going to go check out Brewtop Social, which is an interactive beer garden space that I created for my friends at Concessions International. That's so cool. It's awesome. And it's a celebration of local wine, beer, um, beer especially, uh, cider and spirits of the Pacific Northwest. Seattle local. Yeah. So it's a space that actually used to be storage, and we created- Yeah. It was the Anthony's Fish House had been there forever. The concessionaire bid and put a Salty's, which is another local seafood chain, not chain, but local restaurant, uh, downstairs. And then the upstairs, we completely reimagined the space. Oh, that's cool. And they came to me initially and they were just like, oh, well, we're trying to figure out what to do with beer. And then Brewtop Social was born. So fun. There's a ton of different, um, the beer scene out there is incredible as a cider and it's just been a lot of fun, and it's a wonderful, really collaborative community, too. So a lot of the beers, not only are they delicious, but we worked with purveyors who are really making an impact in their communities. So That's awesome. Go, have a drink, you know. It's like a win, 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 win. Oh, totally. <laughs> I mean, that's what, that's what I want. I want there to be more, and not just because I created the space, but let's have more spaces and airports that we would hang out in if it was on the street. Absolutely. There was a, I flew through Amsterdam. Um, Another Tokyo, no Amsterdam. Is this what you deal with every episode? I was, so on, my way to Bar- oh. I was on my way to Lisbon, I believe. Maybe Barcelona. There she I can't is. remember. Anyway. Um, but the four cool flexes now. Flex like count it? is four. But the cool thing was, and this is the only time I've ever seen this, was there was an outdoor space in the airport that you could go up and it was an outside bar. It was in all the years of all the travel, I was like, why doesn't other people, why aren't there other airports like this? They are, that's they pretty are, cool. Well, they are starting to do that. They do it in Italy too, because you can smoke. Oh, look, see, she flexed. <laughs> there she is. 
when I was in Italy this spring. Well, <laughs> I'd be remiss to not mention one of the coolest things about the Central Terminal and where Brewtop Social is. You look right out in the that's tarmac, cool. so you see. Oh, that's awesome. It's awesome. You see the mountains, you see planes taking off. It's floor to ceiling windows. It's amazing. That's cool. there, are, there is one drawback though, and this is after living on an airbase for 20 years. Jet fuel is real, and it's, it leaves a lot of dust. So that was the only thing where I was like, you know, it sounds cool, but you sure now don't want to be in the inhaling jet fuel all day long. But well, you're inside. No, I'm saying <laughs> at your space. You're inside when I saw at Amsterdam. Oh, when you're outside. Got at, it. At Amsterdam. I'm like, this is cool. I'm oh, sorry. I don't even remember being in Amsterdam. I think I like had like, I don't know, fucking 20 glasses of mushroom tea. I could have been anywhere. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe I didn't even go to Amsterdam. Maybe I was like in a closet. Someone said, we're in Amsterdam. I'm like, great. Considering one of the first conversations I ever had with Gina, she told me if I quote, wanted to survive New Orleans with her, I needed to drink Jack Daniels on a treadmill. Jameson. <laughs> Jameson, excuse me. I can only imagine what the requirement for Amsterdam would be. <laughs> I went to Amsterdam when I was in my young 20s and I did Amsterdam like a crazy person. And, and I went there really for art and I was an art major and then I found um, mushroom tea and lost my mind. It was fucking awesome. I love that journey for you. <laughs> so there you go. And then you know what? That's what your 20s were for, mushroom tea. There you go. And doing whatever you want. Because then you become someone's mom. Yeah. And then you can't have mushroom tea anymore because you have to work and like <laughs> some, like be perfect. And then later they'll listen to this episode and they dig this out of an archive somewhere online and be like, Mom used to do mushrooms. Yeah. So I anyway. love Gina's children. Within five minutes of meeting me, they're like, How do you know Liz? She knows things. And I yeah. was like, Oh, thank you. <laughs> Francesca? Amazing. Yeah, and like like mommy thinks like, what am I an idiot? I'm like, I'm looking at them like, um, okay. Like, well, what did you how'd you meet her? I'm like, really? <laughs> Like in a bar, I met her sitting on a stool. Hey, what's up? You want to be friends? There you go. Um, sorry, what were you? What were you no, say? I'm gonna say this is. Uh, I think this is your. This is it. I think this is your time. Also, the greatest bar that was ever in uh, DC. This is it. But now it's gone. Done. Um. So, so I know if you listened to our podcast before, because we have one last question, and yes, this is all about you once again. So. In this day and age, everybody identifies themselves with some sort of animal. And they're like, well, I really identify with a bumblebee because they're constantly buzzing around and yet they always return home and that's how they are, right? They can go as far, far miles and miles away, but they're always gonna go back to their hive and they're gonna produce the wonderful things. And that's why I think of you, right? If you could be one spirit ingredient and it describes you, what would it be and why? It's a great question. I thought about approximately 16 different answers. Oh, you did listen. <laughs> I got my homework. Come on. 16 answers. You like the honeybee for you? That was good, right? I did like that okay. a lot. Well, and ironically, I was going to like say some sort of syrup. I think I'm really inspired. Last year, I won the um, La Dame Escoffier and Julia Child Foundation Fine Spirits Award. And Talk about flexing. That, I know. Well, here we are. Beautiful. <laughs> I wanted to show up. No, it's great. Um, I've also been to Italy times two. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. But that being said, Krista Cotton, I don't know if you guys know her. She's El Guapo and um, New Orleans Beverage Company. She really changed how I feel about bitters. Oh. And the impact that bitters can have on a drink and just like the slight nuances of that. And it helps make it whole. So to me, that's what I, who I am and what I'm about. Plus like if I can celebrate another female-owned business while I'm at it. Here we are. Her stuff's awesome. She just won another Good X Award. I love that. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers to that. Thanks, ladies. That Thank you for awesome. having me. Cheers. I love Cheers. it. Cheers.
The Designated Drinker Show is produced by Missing Link, a Latino-owned, strategy-driven, creatively-fueled production co-op. From ideation to creation, we craft human connections through intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is Roger That, a podcast dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia, led by skilled caregivers. Now, if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy the theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and everything in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And while you're there, please don't forget to follow, download, and review the shows. Your reviews help our shows reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company. That's missinglink.company.